us for directing our steps and ordering our path. Thank you, Lord, for giving us as part of our inheritance revelation of you and who you are from from your word that you have left us, that you have protected and guided to be put together for us down through the years. We just thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, that it's not just a, just words, but it's alive. You said it's sharper than a two-edged sword. So it could divide up and, and carve out between what's the junk and what's truth about you. And so, Lord, we thank you for truth. We thank you for helping us to receive truth and revelation of truth from your word. Father, I thank you that part of our inheritance is we have an anointing on us, a divine presence and connection that connects us with you and directly Holy Spirit to you. And because of that, we have that ability to divinely receive understanding, knowledge, and wisdom from you, Holy Spirit, particularly when we make ourselves available to the Word of God. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you for acting on our behalf and for connecting with us. We know you're always there. We know your presence is always with us. From the moment we came to know Jesus, you were deposited, it says, as the earnest, the down payment within within us, made our spirits alive and perfect unto God. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you now for having your way within us. Again, we we just lay aside anything that, that may have been, any cares or anything that may have been bothering us or on our minds before we came here. We set it aside so we can make a clear channel for you, Holy Spirit. We want to receive. Say, I want to receive, Holy Spirit. I receive from you what you have for me. I call it revelation. I receive the wisdom and the understanding that you have for me this morning from the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I believe you meant it. And whatever God's Word is from what is shared this morning, you, you continue to receive it that way. And God has a blessing for you. And we're continuing in our, in our series on the Word is working. Is the Word working? Okay, that was weak. I'm going to ask you another time. <laughs> I want to know if whether or not you believe it. Is the Word working? Yes. All right. All right. The Word is working, and it's of great value to us that it's working. There's great benefit to me personally and to you personally from the, from the fact that the Word is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. So our, our key scripture in this whole series is in Colossians 1 and 6, and you can read the verses around it if you want to go back and, and read it. But in that, in that verse, it says, the Word is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. And we've talked about how it describes the, the man who knows God in Psalm 1 and how he's like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. And it says he bears fruit in his season. So we talked about that with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God, it's always in season. There's never an off season. They never have to take, the, the Word never has to take time off or go to training camp. It's always the season. He's always playing. The game is always on. And, 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 and in God's team, there, there's, no, there's no second or third string. <laughs> We're all in the game, and the Word is always working. And so the, we said the question is, for us individually, if that is the truth, Colossians 1 and 6, that the Word is always working, the question is for us is, how do we cooperate, or are we going to cooperate with it? Because if it's working, 
That means it wants to work in and through us. For it to happen, we have to cooperate. We know that God gave us a free will, right? That's established back in Genesis, if you believe the Bible. And so, we can resist. We can we not cooperate. You know, you can, you can proactively resist or you can just passively not believe or take any action to put yourself in a position to cooperate with. And therefore, the, the word has been short-circuited or what it is doing, we could say it this way, what it is doing to working, you're nullifying it. You know that unbelief can nullify faith? I know you've heard this message before. You can have faith and unbelief at the same time. Just because you're having trouble with something and you're struggling with it and you have doubts doesn't mean you don't have any faith. Because some people say, oh, I just lost my faith. I don't have any faith. Where is it? Where is it? I've got to get faith. I've got to get my faith back. Where's my faith? Because I'm doubting. No, 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 no. You've got faith. But you got your problem is, is you also got unbelief. And your unbelief can negate your faith. And so that same principle here is what we're talking about is the Word is constantly bearing fruit. It, we established by reading back in Genesis that since the beginning of time, and probably before that, but what we have record of is since the beginning of time, the Word has been working. It, it worked in, how, in what was created. It says, and God said... And it was so. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. The Word created all this stuff. This chair right here, you probably don't realize it, but this chair right here is made out of the Word of God. Because all all matter on the earth, its original origin and base element is the Word of God. You ever thought about that? Again, go back to Genesis 1. Anything that exists, was it not spoken into being? This right here is made out of fibers and chemicals and stuff and metals that came out of this earth that God spoke into being, didn't it? So how could a chair be the Word of God? Well, go back and think about it. Think a little deeper, all the way back to the first page. It all came from stuff that, was, that the earth was created out of, which was the Word of God. So if we can have a chair, I don't know how old is this, four years old? If we can have a chair that was made in 2013... <laughs> And, and the Word first came into being on the earth back in the beginning, thousands of years ago. Has the Word been working and bearing fruit? <laughs> At least for about four or 5,000 years, if you, even if you count minimal timelines. What would make us think it's not going to work next year? <laughs> it's been constantly bearing fruit and increasing. We've got to put ourselves in a position to work with it. Jesus said, this is just one account in the Bible, that His Word would never pass away. Said the earth, heaven and earth would, but his word never would. Jer- in Jeremiah 1.12, God said, I watch over my word to perform it. You see all those other scriptures. I'm not going to go over everything we talked about. But the last, uh, last week we talked about Old Testament scriptures because we started in the second section of this. The first two weeks we're talking about how the word is working and examples of that. And that's what you have in some of those scriptures there at the top. But then last week we started talking about how it is of great value to us personally, and we looked at a lot of scriptures, not all of them, in the Old Testament, in Proverbs and Psalms and and so forth, how it's talking about the Word is working. I mentioned Psalm 1, and we looked at 119.105, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then we looked at a whole list of things in Proverbs chapter 2. And then in Proverbs 4.4, here's an important one, that it's Life to those who find them, the words of God, and health to all their flesh, all your body. And then we finished up with Proverbs 16.20 that said, 
He who gives attention to the word will find what? Good. Will find good. It pays off to cooperate with the word. So we're going to start there. There's a couple of Old Testament scriptures I want to start with today as we're continuing to talk about the value to us. In Psalm 119.11, it says in there, Moreover, by them, and the them there is them words. <laughs> Not proper English, but it, 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 it's good logic if you, if you put it back together. If you go up and read verses 7 through 10, you'll see that it's, it's inferring and referencing the Word of God. So it says, Moreover, by them, your servant is warned... So that's one thing it rewards us with. We're warned. But it also says, in keeping them, them what? Them words. (laughs) In keeping them, there is great reward. Is it a value to cooperate with the Word of God? The Bible tells us right here, it's a great reward. If you don't get anything else, get that today. It's a great reward to keep the Word of God. And then I came across this scripture that I thought really also went along with this. In Proverbs 22... This is not on your sheet. You can write it in. But in Proverbs 22, starting at verse 17, it says, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. God's word is the words to the wise. And apply your mind to my knowledge. Okay, what will happen if you do that? Verse 18, For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, that they may be ready on your lips, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have taught you today, even you, Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and of knowledge to make you know the certainty of the words of truth? And here's, here's the end benefit, that you may correctly answer him who sent you. So some of these testimonies we heard earlier today, these things are made possible by inclining your ear to hear the word of words to the wise and applying your mind to the knowledge that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. See, the Holy Spirit can speak to you and say, ask somebody if you have a need for prayer. And then, in hearing that and receiving it in your heart, and then acting on, being willing to act on it, then in the end, verse 21, He'll show you what are those correct words in the right timing to say to somebody. Now, is that of great benefit? That's not only of great benefit to you, that you get to be used and get to be fulfill what God's calling you to do. But who else gets the benefit and the great reward? The person who had the need, right? The person who, who received the prayer, who had faith reach out and connect with them on their behalf and receive something from God. It's a great reward. And it's not just for us. It's for people that we come in contact with. It's for people around us. It's for people that we pray for, people we minister to people that we love, people that we can share something, share them these words with. It's a great reward. Alright, a familiar scripture, Matthew six thirty three. Matthew six thirty three. Some of you know this one by heart. Somebody want to tell me what it says without looking at your Bible? <laughs> but seek ye first in what order? First the kingdom of God. Okay, how do we know about the kingdom of God? Well, you go in here and you find out. What did Jesus say? Jesus said He came to teach us about the kingdom of His Father. And He told us what the kingdom was, right? If you go read in the Gospels. So it's if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, 
the right standing with Him that He gave you as a gift. But you have to seek that to walk in it. It says, but if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, what happens? What's the reward? All these things will be added to you. Okay? So what things is it talking about? Well, look back up in verse 31. I'm glad you asked. Verse 31 says, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? See, some people would take verse 33 and say, Well, this is just the spiritual things, brother, that God's adding to you. You know, it's, it's just to make you stronger in the spiritual realm. No, it's not. You read this thing in context. This is talking about physical, material, natural needs in this earth. Where am I going to get the next meal? How am I going to pay for groceries next month? How am I going to buy clothes when wintertime comes and I need winter clothes? How are we going to pay the power bill? How are we going to pay the car insurance? That's even a bigger one, right? And he's, Jesus is saying, don't worry about these things. It's not that you don't need to be... He's not saying be irresponsible. And don't take care of things. And especially you parents in here, you know that you have a a natural responsibility on you, right? Some of you have been parents. You're still parents, but I mean, you don't have those day-to-day responsibilities. But those of you who do, you you have a sense of responsibility. I'm supposed to be the one who's accountable for these things. But you can get so caught up in that accountability that you can worry yourself and say... What's going to happen? You know, what if I lose my job? How am I going to pay all this? And i got all these people depending on me, wife and kids and all this stuff. Okay? And i got all these bills to pay. And Jesus is saying, don't put your focus on that. Don't put your priority on that. Yeah, it's okay to, to have a sense of accountability or responsibility, but roll that over on me, and if you'll put that to the side, not saying neglect it, not saying you don't have that, that as your position in the family or as position as a parent or whatever. But if you'll first put your priority on seeking my kingdom and your right standing with me, then all these things will be added to you. Again, I'm going to go back to the question we started out with earlier today in the service. Is the word of God the truth? Is it possible that you cannot worry about these things and Jesus, if you're focused on his priorities to make them your priorities, he will make sure they can be added to you. Is that possible? Okay. If you're saying no, then just tear, that, tear Matthew 6 out of your Bible and throw it in the trash can if you don't believe it. But if you make a choice to believe... I'm not saying have you experienced it and have you never had a worry and everything's just all your dories are hunky and you never have anything but peace. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's been your experience all the time. I'm just saying, is it possible? Is it the truth? Yes, it is. Y'all are partially convinced. <laughs> okay, It is. It is the truth. That's a decision you make as to whether you put yourself in agreement that this is the truth. If it is the truth and it is possible, then you can just focus on these two priorities and these daily, weekly, natural needs will be taken care of. David said in the Psalms, I've never seen the righteous. Didn't this say seeking his righteousness? He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed out begging for bread. Now, we read that sometimes and it sounds very poetic. Oh, that's sweet, nice, wonderful psalm. You know. But no, it's the truth. David, David's experience was, he was saying, those who seek and live in the righteousness of God, I've never seen them forsaken. I've always seen them taken care of. Even their children. That's the benefit of the Word because the Word is always working and bearing fruit. It's a great reward to us that it is. It's a great reward to us to line up with it. 
because it's always working. It's, all, it's constantly bearing fruit. Never seeing the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Always adding these things to them when we seek those things out. Alright, in John 15 and 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask, now get, get this, don't miss this part. This is the best part. Ask whatever you wish, and if it be God's will, He might give it to you. Did I read that right? Was that correct? No, y'all are saying no? I didn't read it? What does it really say if I read it? It says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It's very important that you get the point that He said, will. Will is stronger even than shall. (laughs) But it's definitely stronger than might, or could, or potentially, or for some people. <laughs> no, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide. What does the word abide mean? It means live, right? If his words are living in you, okay? If his words are living, what do we know by Colossians 1 and 6 they're doing in there if they're living? They're constantly bearing fruit and increasing, right? So if His Word is in you and it's alive, it's constantly bearing fruit and increasing, then what can you do with that Word? You can take that Word and you can do what? You can ask whatever you wish. Some people say, Well, you're taking the Word out of context. You can't ask God for whatever you wish. Well, I didn't say this. Jesus did. Go tell Him that. Jesus said this. It wasn't even Paul who said this. (laughs) It wasn't even Peter. It was Jesus who said this himself. That you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, you can't just dream up something you wish necessarily. Because what? It says, "If if you abide in me and my words abide in you. But beyond that, he didn't qualify it. So, if you're in Jesus... Okay, how many of you are born again? If you're born again, okay, you have the promise. You're in Jesus. You're in Christ. You're in the anointed one and His anointing. Okay, so if you're born again, you got that prerequisite down. All right? Now, the next one is the second prerequisite. If my words abide in you. So, well, if you're a Christian, then the word... Not necessarily. You have to take action on that. Because if not, everybody that was born again would just all of a sudden have all the revelation of God just... just dumped on the inside of them. And they'd be going around speaking Scripture the very next day, and they'd be, they'd be faith giants the next morning when they woke up. Does it work that way? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Because it says in Hebrews, you've got you to what? You've got to renew your mind to the Word of God, right? And you've got to present your body as a living sacrifice. That's a process, and that takes action on your part. And you've got to make yourself available to the Word of God. Now, if you receive Jesus, you know, let's just think hypothetically here. I know none of y'all did this or ever think this. But if you receive Jesus and you just say, well, I've got Jesus, I'm good to go now. My ticket is punched. Whenever that day comes, I'm going to heaven when I die. I, that's all I need to do is let me just go ahead and live happy, happy-go-lucky, carefree the rest of my life and, and just do whatever it is I want to do. Okay? Will this verse work for you? But do you know there are people like that? There are people who, who got born again and, and for whatever reason, either they're, either they're stubborn or, they're, or just ignorant because nobody 
discipled them beyond getting them to receive Jesus and they don't know any better, so they never avail themselves to hear the Word of God. They never hook themselves up with a body of believers that can help mentor them, help can disciple them, help them to grow, help them to, to get into places where they can hear the Word or, or talk, tell them about people who are good to teach them the Word and so forth. So it takes a little effort, right? It takes a little action, you know? Sometimes it, it would feel better just to wake up on Sunday morning at 7.30 and say, Ah, I'm going to roll back over. I'm too tired. <laughs> I'm not criticizing. If you don't come every Sunday, that's between you and God. I, I really didn't matter to me. But I'm just saying, it takes effort, right? It, it's a decision, and sometimes it's more than a decision. You've got to pull these bones out of bed and, <laughs> and, and get up and, 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 and get yourself ready to come, right? And not just here, but on, on a regular basis to get yourself available to hear and receive God's Word. It's a decision first, and then it's an effort, and then it's cooperation on your part. You can't just lay with the Bible under your pillow at night and the Word get in you. Certainly can't do it with it sitting on the coffee table as a, as a doodad, as a fixture in your living room. It takes some additional decision and effort on your part. But if you do that, that Word will come alive in you. The Holy Spirit will work with you. God said in Jeremiah, remember, He'll watch over it to perform it. And at that point, you've met prerequisite number two. And then, you can ask whatever you wish. With the full assurance when you pray, because when we pray, we don't go to Jesus and say, Now God, if this is my day, (laughs) and and I've got Jesus... So He's in me, and I've put the Word in me, and so I'm just hoping and believing <laughs> that if I pray it today, I'll catch you at the right time, <laughs> in the right mood. No, that's not how we pray, right? Because we pray with assurance that this verse says, if I've met prerequisite number one and number two, I'm going to ask whatever I wish, and it will be done for me. Period. End of story. And even before I see it, I'm just going to rest in that. I'm just going to relax and, and say, it's chill time because it, the, word's, the Word's working. may not see the manifest, manifestation yet, but it's on the way. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the good outcome. You can only do that if you have done one and two. But if you've done one and two, you can have full assurance that when you ask in faith, you're not just shooting up empty requests into heaven, Right? You're speaking yourself the power of this Word that has the power that it's constantly working and increasing and bearing fruit. You're the one controlling that. God has already given the power. He's already given you the promise right here. You're the one setting it into motion. Don't let anybody talk you into everything is all dependent on God's mood and God's this and God's that and if it be His will. And you know, Again, one word for that. It's in your fridge in the deli drawer. Baloney. That is not the Word of God. This is. Jesus said it Himself. Alright, Second Peter 1, 3, and 4. One of my favorite scriptures. Second Peter 1, 3, and 4. Some of y'all know it. Right after James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter 1 and 3 says, Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through, what is it through? is through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by, for by these, 
by what? His own glory and excellence. He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So by these great and magnificent promises in His Word, you can become partakers with God's own nature. It's through these precious and magnificent promises. The Word of God. It's great reward. Not only can you ask what you wish, not only can all these things be added to you, but you can become, your, pers- your, your nature can take on God's own nature. Now picture that. Wouldn't that be great? How many fusses and arguments and trouble would you get in if you had the nature of God? At work, at home, wherever you are. If you just walked around all the time and you acted just how God would act in any given situation, would you be successful? <laughs> That's hard to even picture, isn't it? But again, is this the Word of God? Is this the truth or not? Did somebody sneak this into your Bible last night and write this in there that, to try to trick you? No? Or is this, is this part of the Word that God inspired Peter to write by the Holy Spirit? It's the truth, isn't it? If it's the truth, is it possible that your nature can take on... You know, somebody would say, you know, after you've been focusing on the Word for a number of years or even a short period of time, maybe even months, say, you know, there's something different about you. I'm not sure what it is, but you've been changing. You know, if anybody ever says that to you, here's a good answer. Say, well, I'll tell you what it is. It's the nature of God. I've been spending some time with Him and in His Word, and it's been rubbing off on me. Same thing can happen to you. That'd be a good answer for him, wouldn't it? All right, back to John. John 6 and 63. John 6, 63. It says, it is the Spirit. This is Jesus talking, by the way. It is the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Now, what is the flesh? It's your soul and your body joining forces, coming in partnership. Your mind, will, emotions, and your natural cravings coming in together. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. So we saw that over in in Proverbs 4 last week. That they're life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Jesus is underscoring that here in in the new covenant. Saying, these words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. The flesh will profit you nothing. But fleshly life, real life, abundant life, comes through these words. And they're not only physical and physical life, but they're also spiritual life. They're spirit and life. Again, this is Jesus saying this. Look over in verse 68. And then Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So there's great reward in the word of God. It, it is eternal life. And eternal life doesn't mean, you, or doesn't just mean, it goes way beyond, you get to go to heaven when you die. So many people have misconstrued that when they, when they get born again. Well, now I've got eternal life. My ticket has been purchased. <laughs> got that taken care of. Got my retirement. Got my 401k. Got my vacation home. Got eternal life. Cars paid off. I'm in good shape, right? It's not in that category. <laughs> Eternal life starts at the moment you have Jesus into your heart. It's a whole new way of living. It's a whole new level of living. It's a whole new power and authority that you can live in 
right here on this earth, the very next day or the very next moment from the time Jesus comes into your heart. It's not in the sweet by and by when we get to go to heaven when we die. It's now. And so Peter is acknowledging here that Jesus, these words he said that are spirit and life, he said, this is, this is eternal life for us. Where are we going to go? We're looking for eternal. We've learned too much now. We can't turn back. These words you're telling us, Jesus, are our life to us. Peter wasn't talking about going to heaven. I don't think he even really understood that at that point. But he's acknowledging what Jesus said about his own words. All right, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> we're going to finish up with some passages here in Matthew today. The Word is of great value to us. Great value. Matthew 7, and starting at verse 24. And it says, this is Jesus again, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine... Okay, did he stop there? He went on, right? And he said, and acts on them. So it's not just hearing the Word... It's acting on the word you heard and believing it. It says, what is he going to be like? What is that person like who hears the word and acts on it? You know you can't act on something if you don't believe in it. At least you have to receive it to act on it. There's a lot of things you hear and you're like, eh, whatever. And it doesn't change your thinking, doesn't change your mind, doesn't spur you on to any action. But if you heard something and believed in it, you may be willing to take action if you truly believed In fact, that's a good test of did you believe or not is if you're willing to do something because of that. That means you're taking it in to become a part of your life when you begin to take action on it. That's a good self-check. That proves it. So it says, He who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to what? A wise man who built his house on the rock. And it says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, we, we've heard this before, probably, and you read this and you think, you think the person who, whose house gets washed away, who's, who's called the foolish man, doesn't hear the word of God. No, he heard the word of God, just like, just like the wise man did. But what was the difference? The wise man acted on the word. What does that mean? The wise man really believed. The foolish man didn't believe because he didn't take any action. He's like, oh, well, they won't. rain won't come. It won't rain that hard. A flood won't come. But the wise man hears and takes action and does what he does based on the word he believed and that he heard and believed and received. That's the difference. They both heard the word. So it's not... Just being exposed to the Word, it's receiving it and acting on it that makes the difference between being foolish and being wise. In fact, I think more people fit into that foolish category than fit into the category of just never ever heard the Word. At least in probably in our surroundings, in our culture today. Especially in church culture, in Christianese. People are hearing the Word is out there in the, in the Christian world today more than it ever been. More available more good word. There's a bunch of junk out there too, but there's a lot of good stuff. It's not necessarily for lack of having the opportunity to hear or even hearing. It's for the lack of faith. Faith is believing and acting. And that makes the difference. We'll hear more about that when we get into part three of this, this series. But it's the man who, who acts on it. But it says, For the foolish man, the rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against his house, and it fell, and great was its fall. But going back to verse 25, all that stuff happened to the wise man who built it on the rock. 
and it did not fall. So there's great reward in doing things and what you do and how you do them based on the Word as opposed to your own way of thinking. Because your own way of thinking might be foolish in God's eyes, might be foolish in a spiritual sense, and you may fall flat or your house might fall flat when trouble comes. If you don't want that to happen, there's great reward in doing what you do based on the Word of God. Great reward. All right, look at Matthew chapter 13. Just a few pages over. Matthew 13, and we're going to look at 18 and 19. And this is, again, Jesus. Hear then the parable of the sower. You have heard the parable of the sower? It says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That's why he then acts foolishly, because it's been snatched away. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. Okay? All right, but look at verse 23. It says, And the one on whom seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. So here's the man who heard the word. He apparently prayed and, and received it by faith, which means the Holy Spirit was cooperating, and he was cooperating with the Holy Spirit, right? Because that's who gives us understanding of the word. And then he bears fruit. So in other words, he allows, he cooperates with the word. He takes action. He doesn't, he doesn't disbelieve the word that he just heard and got understanding on. He accepts it, receives it, and is willing to cooperate with it and take action. Well, we know that word, according to Colossians 1 and 6, is bearing fruit, right? So if the man here is cooperating with it, what's he doing? He's bearing fruit. That's what it says right here. It's what Jesus said. He's bearing fruit and bringing it forth. This is the, this is the, the man that's got good soil. This is where the seed is sown on good soil. And it says, you can produce fruit here by bearing, you bearing fruit. And you're not just bearing fruit. It, you're, you're bearing it in a multiplied result, right? The, the minimal here is 30-fold return. You can get a 60-fold or even a 100-fold return on your fruit. That's pretty good. I don't know how many or farmers or farm or whatever or anything you do that you put effort into and you get a 30-fold return. I know that's unheard of in the financial industry, in the stock market, to get a 30-fold or 60- or 100-fold return. I mean, you got, you've picked a winner <laughs> if you get 30-fold return. If you could double your money, most people are ecstatic. <laughs> but 30-fold, and that's the minimum here. It's talking about with the Word planted in good soil in your heart. Is cooperating with the Word of great reward? It's a great reward. All right, this same parable Jesus taught in Mark and in Luke, and we're just going to quickly look at the version there. I'm not going to read the whole thing. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 3, it says, Listen to this, Jesus said. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And then in verse 8, he says, Other seeds fell into the good soil. That's what we want to focus on is the good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. I like the way it says it there. And then in verse 20, it says, And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word, and accept it, and bear fruit, thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Now, get this, they heard the word and accepted it, and then they went and bore fruit. Alright, in Luke chapter 8, we're going to end here. Luke chapter 8, the same story, verse 11, 
Jesus said, now the parable is this. This is when he's explaining it to them, to, the, to his disciples. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Okay, so before we were equating to that, he clearly says right here, what he's talking about is the word of God that's planted. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Verse 13. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root, and they believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. These are the ones that, that don't get Psalm 23. <laughs> when, when the deep darkness comes and the bad circumstances or the heat gets turned up, they're like, oh, oh, oh I don't know what I'm going to do. And the Holy Spirit reminds them of the word they heard. Well, yeah, but all this is going wrong. It ain't working. <laughs> it must not work. Or, or it must not be God's will for it to work for me. No, 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 dummy. <laughs> you gotta, you got to work with it. Verse 14. The seed which fell among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they're choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. Well, these are just the opposite. They're not going through the valley of the shadow of death. Everything's just wonderful. They don't even have to try. and they're in, Everything's going great, seemingly, in the world. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the devil will just pour on, you know, not that he has any goodness, but he'll put you in circumstances where people will heap it on you even when you're doing the wrong thing to trap you so that you can think you're doing it instead of the Word working, instead of God's blessing being on you because you're a child of God. And you're going out doing all these wrong things that you're tempted to do. And for a while, it seems great and it's working, but it really isn't working. Under the surface... It's a mess. And it's about to erupt and come up on you. And that's what happens here. And it says, and they bring no fruit to maturity. But, verse 15, but the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. All right? And that perseverance means steadfastness. If you, if you do something steadfastly, what are you doing? You're doing it constantly, right? So the, verse 15 is talking about these are the ones that cooperate with the Word, that receive it, accept it, hold on to it, work with it, and they continue to bear fruit. Not just one, one fruit comes forth, they continue to bear fruit. Why do you think that is? What's causing that? Colossians 1.6, it's the Word in them. It's the Word that they're working with. Because the Word is what? Constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Constantly. It never stops. It's better than the Energizer Bunny. It keeps going and going and going. And it's been going since the beginning of time for thousands of years. And it's going to keep going on beyond that. It can't be stopped. It doesn't run out of juice. Guess why? Because Jesus is the Word. John 1.1. 1, 1. You can read that and see that He is equated with the Word of God. He is, he is the manifestation of the Word of God to us. And so, all of this great reward that we get, it comes out of knowing Jesus and knowing who He is and having Him in your heart and cooperating with Him, loving Him, seeking His guidance, His will, His direction for your life and doing what He calls you to do. And so, if there's anybody here in this today that never made Jesus... Your Savior never made Jesus your Lord. 
That's the key. That's the first step. And once you do that, the rewards are endless. The Bible says itself, it's great reward. It continues on and on and on and on and on and on and on. There's no end, even through eternity. But you don't have to wait till quote-unquote, eternity to get it. You get it from the moment you receive Jesus. All you've got to do then is two things. Receive it and act on it. And that's what is that second prerequisite that Jesus said, is that the Word abides in you then. If you're in Him and then you do what it takes for the Word to abide in you, then you have that promise. You can ask whatever you will with full assurance that it'll be given to you. Because basically it already has been given to you. It's just a matter of it manifesting. Amen? Word is a great reward. 